Welcome to the Heart of Money podcast, where we discuss the impact that money has on every area of your life, and where you can learn to make smarter money decisions. Join our conversation as we discuss our past experiences, talk about how to make better money management choices, and in the end, make a commitment to being weird. Well, folks, welcome back to the Heart of Money. This is episode 24. I'm your host, Austin Black. I'll be joined by Bob Wessler here in a few moments. We are taking a part one look this week into this two-part series of the top five things that wealthy people do. Something that I learned a long time ago. I shouldn't say a long time ago, but I learned you know, a, a, a several years back anyway, was if you want to be like someone, you have to do what they do. And that sounds like a simple concept, but too many times we try to figure out our own way to do something when someone else has already gone and done it before us. And if we just do what they do, we should get the same results. So this week, we are going to be looking ahead to the future of our finances and discussing the top five things that we have seen wealthy people do so we can embody those same practices, those same tactics that we can become wealthy as well. I know for some of you, becoming wealthy maybe not maybe isn't your ultimate goal, isn't your ultimate, you know, um, destination. What you're really focused on right now, but I would say that we all could agree that we want to be financially comfortable, financially independent, financially secure, and so whatever level of wealth that means for you. If you want to be in those spots, then you need to have some level of wealth built up and accumulated at the end of your of your time in this process, or you're not going to have financial independence, financial security, and have all of those things that you're looking for. So even if you don't want to have a million dollars and be this you know person that can just go hang out wherever and have all the fun in the world, even if you just want to have a content, comfortable lifestyle, you still have to have enough wealth to support that. So different levels of wealth that we're going to, you know, have within that situation. But in order to get there, we have to do what it takes to get there. We have to do the same practices that wealthy people do in order to achieve that financial independence and security and freedom. So this week, we're going to dig into the fundamentals of that and the, the first three of those five things that wealthy people do. So let's jump right into it with Bob. Bob, we are back. It's the middle of April. This year is literally flying by for me. I can't believe that we're already into the second quarter. Um, and heck, we, we've been, we're on like what, episode 24, I think, something like that. I mean, it's just, this is this has been, we're having so much fun, we can't even keep track of it. <laughs> <laughs> Too much fun. Absolutely too much fun. And, and our you listeners don't, sound, don't even don't know half of enthused. it because of all the stuff we have to cut out. Oh, I do. You just can't see me very well because I'm so pixelated in our pictures there. You I, can't I, see I, my I, eye I, rolls either, which I really appreciate, but I'm yeah, it's absolutely probably a good kidding thing. <clears throat> probably a good thing. But uh, we're, we're going to finish out April. Um we're a little more, I say more serious because we're going to talk about things in the future. We're going to put our binoculars up to our eyes. <coughs> we're going to look out there at, at our goals, at our dreams, at our visions. But we're also going to be very practical. We're, we're, we're going to we're going to share stuff that uh, everyone needs to know. 
which is what, Bob? The reason that we're here. And that would be. Oh, 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 the, the top five things wealthy people do. I feel like there's this, you know, fishing and reeling it in and maybe I get the answer right. And That's pretty much what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why there's like a 10 Red's second wrong. pause Q in between card. the question and the answer. <laughs> um, for those who are still with us after our crazy introductions and <laughs> getting started the episode, <clears throat> the next two weeks or 23 other episodes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for, for staying tuned in and, and not giving up on us. Uh, the next two episodes, we're going to dive into Thanks, the top five things that wealthy people do. And you go, well, wait a second. You're not wealthy yet. So how do you know the top five things that wealthy people do? Well, Bob, thank you for asking because the answer is we study. What wealthy people do, don't we? Read it in a book somewhere. Has to be true. Didn't come from yeah. the internet. Especially if it's on Facebook. <clears throat> <laughs> you know, oh, I... Come on. Get with that. <laughs> I have really enjoyed reading the book, The Millionaire Next Door. And I know that you have a book that you like that is on my list that I will get to in about five years called The Next Millionaire Next Door. So between those books and between listening to millionaires come on to the Dave Ramsey Show and the Millionaire Theme Hour, and between visiting with actual millionaires, which I think you and I have probably both done, I know I have done that, we have accumulated what we believe is the top five, arguably the top five things, that wealthy people do. Bob, what is your number one thing on your list? Mm, this one's deep, very profound. You save more money than you spend. Whoa. I've never done that before. That's, I know that's you were speechless, new... weren't you? I was. New that's concept. what wealthy people do. <laughs> Dude, I got to change my financial management plan right now. <laughs> I thought you were thinking you need to change something else, but after that pause. <laughs> Save more than you spend. <clears throat> <laughs> it's a whole lot easier okay. on paper than it is in real life in some cases. You know, you know, it really is. But it's, it's funny, though, because so... I occasionally, I like to cut my own hair a lot of times to save money, but occasionally I go to a barber shop in town and I've had the conversation with him around financial management. He knows I'm a coach and we talk about, you know, what do people need to do? What do they not need to do? And every single conversation we have, he says, well, it's pretty easy. You don't spend as much as you make. You keep money around. You save money. And you and I both know that, you know, it obviously goes much deeper than that. But that is the core foundation. That is where it all starts, I think. Because if you are spending every single dollar that comes out of your paycheck, where, where are you going to be 10 years from now, right? 
Yeah, or or even worse, if you spend more money that's when it than what comes in your paycheck. <clears throat> that's why we have credit cards. Though. Then you really won't be anywhere ten years from now. What? Well, yeah. <laughs> and then what you spent is even more next month. It, you know, you're digging a hole, and the hole mm-hmm. gets bigger. You're going the wrong direction, mm-hmm. and. You know, we are a marketed to society where oh my gosh, bigger, yes. faster, newer, shinier, whatever. There's there are all the, these opportunities to spend. The only way, so we, we we talk about wealth and wealthy people, and everyone has their own definition of what being wealthy really means. You know, is that money? Is that family? Is that fame? You know, what is that wealth actually <coughs> consist of? In our conversation today, obviously, we're talking about financial wealth, and as simple as this concept sounds, so many people don't really abide by it. I, I shouldn't say so many people because there are a lot of people that do very well with this, but it is that that core step of if you don't keep something back, you have nothing to build, right? You have nothing to accumulate and to add on to. And 20, 30, 40 years of doing that leaves you retiring with nothing. You have no wealth. You have no money to your yep. name. Um, I've seen people that have no money to their name. They don't look very good. They don't look like they have anything beyond tomorrow in some cases. And people wonder, okay, you know, I, I get through my life, I work 40 years, and then what? Well, if you work for 40 years and spent for 40 years, there you are. Um, yeah. So I, I don't think we I don't think we can really beat this horse too hard, but it is a concept that people I think struggle with in some cases. What do you think? Well, and you say people don't look very good. I'm going to go further and say, it's not that they don't look good financially. They don't have anything, but they don't look good physically because Mm -hmm. of the stress of not having finances. Um, It is, it's very hard on the human body mentally, physically, as you get older, you know, I'm not necessarily speaking from experience, me personally, but in what I've seen um, in years of banking, that people that are living off of a social security check that are coming in the first of the month, and I'm talking about, you know, retired $600 a month, widows, um, being able to pay, in some cases, they don't have a house, they have an apartment that they're renting. Rent takes a lot of that $600 paycheck or $600 social security check. And that's hard on somebody to make ends meet if they haven't prepared long-term and and maybe, you know, that's part of it for the older generation that, or or maybe two generations removed when social security was going to be the safety net um, for those people that they paid in expecting to get money when they retired. Um, you know, we've done away with the defined benefit pensions. You know, money has mm. changed quite a bit in the last 
30 years of what people expect to get out um, in retirement. And, and when they didn't put in, expect money to sh- come from somewhere, it's it's not showing up or it's not showing up in the amounts that are beneficial enough uh, to support either their previous <clears throat> lifestyle or really any lifestyle that's not welfare. Um, yeah. Might be going out on a limb there a little bit, but it, it's not... It's not the type of life that you want to live or you expect to live, dare I say. Yes, absolutely. I think that that leads perfectly to our number two um, because, you know, we, we, we can say save, don't spend as much as you make, all those basics, but that really doesn't even matter unless we do number two, which is plan and set goals. Because if you are not focused on where you want to be, then you have no motivation to save and 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 keep your money around. <clears throat> because all you're focused about is the here and now, what I can do, where I can go, how I can live with what I have in the moment. Um, so number two, <clears throat> plan and set goals. That sets up your intention and your focus and your objective and your actions to where, you know, I am saving for X. I am going to spend less in this area so I can have this later down the road. It gives you that, uh, so that focus and that intention of knowing what your why is. I think that that's something Mm -hmm. that a lot of people don't have. And because they don't have that, they don't have the inclination <clears throat> to save for the future. Would you agree? Well, I think the first part of that, and, and I, I really had to bite my tongue. I know that's hard for you to believe. <laughs> when we talked about saving more than we spend, planning goes right hand in hand with that. So I had to bite my tongue to not say that so close to the first one. Um, planning... <laughs> to save more than you spend really is the first step to number two. Um, because you can't save unless you have a way to save or unless you have it lined out of how am I going to save? Am I going to save X number of dollars? And is this going to be an auto save? You know, what are the different characteristics? So I would say that planning and setting goals can be separated into two different tasks. Yeah, Because if you don't plan, you're not going to be able to save to begin with. Once you start saving some, you can set those goals. So I think the best way to put it is you don't necessarily have to have the goals before you have the money, but you definitely need to plan when you're making the money or when the money is coming in so that you have that for later on when you establish your goals. Um you know, we've talked about in the past with you saying my goal initially was to be a millionaire, but then as you saved more money, that wasn't necessarily as big of a goal for you because it was going to be accomplished. But the saving money was the, the steps to get you closer or to becoming more um, prudent with your financial decisions. So, Yes, there's an overarching goal, but the planning has to be the first step there. Yeah. And before I let you take 
the interjection there. I, I see, caught you. Um, <laughs> I think I want to go back to our first point because you talked about wealth, and yes. I think we need to say for our listeners that my interpretation of wealth for this conversation is what your money does for you. And you kind of alluded to that. Wealth is not income. Wealth is the income that you have set aside that is making its own dividends, interest, making more money for you that is not coming straight from the uh, part that's coming from your labor on a weekly, biweekly, monthly basis. It's the next step past income. And to tag on to that, <clears throat> I'm glad you brought that up because I, I am, I'm learning this more now. And I think it's very, very, very prevalent to our younger audience. Um, you may be a little bit past this time frame of importance and that will make sense here in a second. I've heard Dave talk a lot about how and even whenever Chris Hogan was there, he would talk about this a lot too. How important it is in order to build wealth to make as much money as possible as early as possible. So, to your point, wealth is not about how much money you make, but your wealth is correlated or can be correlated to. <clears throat> your level of income. Meaning if you make $100,000 a year and you can save um, 30000 of that, you're probably going to be better off than someone who makes fifty or 60000 and can only save ten. right? You're saving, you know, your, your income ratio is double. Your saving ratio is triple. So you have a lot more opportunity there to have that money go to work for you to save, to invest, to have those dividends. So no, income is not the the um, wealth determinator, but by all means, it is a correlation and an indicator of how much long-term wealth you're going to build, if that makes sense. And, and, and the sooner you start setting your income aside to create wealth, the better off you are. Yep, absolutely. And I, I know, you know, as we talk about the the plans and the goals, you know, in reading that Millionaire Next Door book, <clears throat> one of the things that continually um, gets relayed and, and, and reiterated is people that, that know what their money is doing and that tell their money where to go and that have a defined outline for what they want to accomplish <clears throat> even one year down the road, much less 5, 10, 20 years down the road. By having that, um, that structure and that plan, you are then driven to save more because you know where you're headed. You're not just saving for the sake of saving because I think you and I could both agree mm-hmm. that we like to spend more than we like to save, naturally speaking. I mean, it's we, we yeah. like to have stuff. And even if we are a natural spender, <clears throat> um, on rare occasion does someone just not like to spend money. There's always that desire to spend some sort of money. So if we're just saving for the sake of saving, 
what's, what's the point? It goes back to that. Why, what are we even doing this for? Well, and, and back to what I said, you have to have a plan for that money, whether you have a goal or not, because there will be times that you don't have a specific goal that you are saving for. Mm -hmm. But if you're not saving, you're worse off when you need that money. than if you just didn't have the goal to begin with and we're saving for it. So yep. if that makes sense, uh, it did in my head. Um, so, and that is, I mean, this gets thrown into every conversation. Obviously that's where your budget comes in and every wealthy person can tell oh, yeah. you exactly what their expenditures are, what their savings is, where their money is going because yeah, they, they do have that plan to save and that ability that that method of allocating and designating and um you know withholding money in their savings account you know not going out for every vacation or going out for every new car whatever the case is they have that plan of we are going to save this money with the intention of doing something later in life with it um, yeah, if you don't have that, you don't have that plan to say, if you don't have that budget, if you don't have that, um, allocation <clears throat> for lack of a better phrase, it's going to be really hard to actually do it consistently, effectively and yep. make it work. Well, and I'm going to throw a spoiler alert out there. The top five things that wealthy people do are all interrelated. You don't just do one, you do all right. five, you probably do 10 or 15 and you know we had a little bit of trouble trying to figure out what the number one was because you have to have some semblance of order and how these top five work and we tried to build it that you stack each one of, the, of them on but if you don't do the first you're going to have a hard time with the second but you can still do the second and if you do the third first you know you can do these in a semblance of order but they're all going to build and they all interrelate so I, I think before we kill the horse on planning and um, setting those goals, we could get to the one that hurts me the most, but it is oh so <laughs> yes. crucial. Oh, so <laughs> crucial. It's called, I mean, I should have like the dun, 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 delayed gratification. I, I, I can add, I can add that sound have. effect in and hang, hang on a second. We got to do this right. <laughs> we got to do, do this where it does. Yeah. So you said this thing really hurts you. Oh, it dun, does. Dun, dun. Oh, it's so much better when you do it. Delayed gratification. It pains Delayed me to say that because it was. What is that? Painful. It's painful. <laughs> But as my football coach in high school would say, hurts so good. Hurts so good. Hurts so good. <laughs> oh, anyway. The Basically, what it means is if you, if you don't set it for later, you might not ever get it. If we spend everything we make, we're never going to have money later when we need it. Um, saving for a rainy day. That rainy day is going to come whether you have the money that you've prepared for it or not. Um, so is this like as the some, kid that gets tempted with a piece of pie and he's given two options. He can either eat the pie now or he can wait 10 minutes and have a pie and a scoop of ice cream. 
Hmm. Yes, those good psychological tricks that they yes. tried to throw at us in college to see which one would we go. It was kind of like the marshmallow trick, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, setting the marshmallow in front of the kid and seeing how long it took before he took the marshmallow. <clears throat> um, because you could either have the marshmallow or a dollar or, you know, buy a whole bag of marshmallows. They'd give you the money for the whole bag of marshmallows. Yep. If you could delay eating that one marshmallow. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And we live in a society, credit cards, credit cards kill delayed gratification. They -hmm. also kill savings. You know, we talk about wealth. The the whole key to building wealth is your income. And if a credit card kills your delayed gratification that you have to have it now between marketing and the credit card and the always desiring to spend the hole in your pocket, so to speak, your income will not go as far with a credit card if you're paying interest on those items. Mm-hmm. And um, the other thing that goes with that, with delayed gratification, <clears throat> saving for a rainy day a an emergency becomes a crisis when you don't have the funds available and you walk so right in it takes you in the exact about. <laughs> <laughs> takes you in the exact opposite direction of what you're trying to achieve if you can wait till next month then do it right if it's something that you could plan for that <clears throat> You could, you know, maybe it wasn't a necessarily emergency. You just didn't expect it this soon. Okay, that's, you know, that's a little bit different. And if it's something that you don't have the money for, period, then let's let's save up the money. Whenever we talk about um, delayed gratification <clears throat> and emergencies and savings and spending whatever money we have, there's two things that, that pop into mind for me. Number one is if you wait till next week, are you still going to want it or even next month or next year, maybe. And two, if you do buy it, how is it going to affect your life and your financial status? <clears throat> so if you've got the savings there where you could go write the check for it and have it, is that going to change your life? Or are you better off saving the money for that, not touching your savings, you know, that your emergency fund, wherever it's allocated, and get it later on down the line? I think so many times we we use our emergency as an as I, I sometimes call it an excuse fund. And this is <laughs> kind of getting a little bit off you know, off topic tangent, but I think it all goes into play the same the same mindset and same action. Because if, if you if you spend the money, whether you need to spend the money or not, if you don't delay that purchase, whether that's gratification or whether that is, you know, buying something that, that you do need, whatever the case is, if you don't need to do it right here, right now, chances are you're going to either have less desire later on or have more money later on to do it. And I probably talked in a circle there, but I hope you understood where my mind was going. Well, and... Delayed gratification, this is where we really can delve into behavioral finance because, as we've talked about before, um, 
being financially successful, whatever you define that as, is not about the math, is not about the numbers. It is about the psychology and the desire to spend. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember a commercial years ago. It's my money and I want it now. Um, it's the gotta have it mentality. It's newest, fastest, better, shiniest, you know, whatever that we keep going back to, or at least I do as far as something that we have to have that'll make us better off. We think will make us better off, um, until the next newest, shiniest, whatever thing comes along. And the biggest thing with, I think, delayed gratification, my perspective, you have to determine if it's a need or a want. And this goes in with what you were saying. Is it something I need and needing a new pair of Air Jordans? I'm going to date myself with that reference. (laughs) Um, But that was the thing growing up was you got to have those. I need those Air Jordans. I don't think I ever had a pair of Air Jordans. Sidebar. I got Shaq's instead. Um, He was (laughs) way cooler in my mind. But you don't need the Air Jordans. You don't need the Shaq's. You don't need the Sean Kemp's. You don't need the air force ones or anything else you just need something on your feet um you want the nike the reebok the adidas whatever but i think you have to take the step back and say in delaying gratification is it is the thing that i am desiring a need or a want and i'm gonna guess that in most cases it's a want not a need which is why it's the gotta have thing Um, which is why delayed gratification is so hard. It it might not be for everybody, but it sure is for me. (laughs) Well, to take it a step further, I I would say that even, okay, we've been talking about how, you know, delayed gratification can make us, you know, question a purchase. I'm going to flip it around and say delayed gratification can also make you enjoy a purchase more because if you wait until you do have the money and you do determine this is something that I really do want and can't afford that I really do need that's going to actually benefit my life. And I wait till I have the cash to actually put it down and own it outright and not affect my savings, not affect my budget, not affect my debt snowball, not negatively affect my financial situation in any regard. Then that is a very satisfying purchase whenever you can Mm -hmm. delay until the point of, you are capable and able and it all works. So we talk about, you know, saying yeah. no, 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 but delayed gratification can also say not yet, not yet. Okay. Now. And I think back to, you know, my wife and I are never buying our house. There's stuff that we still want to buy that we haven't bought yet because we were focused on getting our house paid off, becoming debt free. We talked about this you know, a couple of weeks ago, the things that we, elected to not purchase the new furniture, the new side-by-side, you know, the new washer and dryer, um, things that we probably would have benefited from having still want to get, but by saying not yet, now that purchase becomes even sweeter and more enjoyable. And we get more satisfaction because we accomplished what was important first. And this becomes kind of our treat, you might say that we can reward ourselves knowing that we did it the right way. Well, and, and that goes back to what you stated at the beginning of our conversation was 
knowing your why, what your goals are, what you're planning or trying to accomplish, that becomes the reason for delaying your gratification. And um, I, I think that really sums it up nicely in saying, like I said before, all these things intertwine. They relate to each other regardless of the order you put them in. Um, but it really comes down to having a plan and knowing your why, which is why we put it second. Because <laughs> first we thought was you got to have the money and you got to save it before you spend it. Yep, <clears throat> absolutely. Well, uh, we're going to get into the next two next week because we're going to have to dig in a little deeper. These are a little bit more complex as we get down that chain, as we get through the fundamentals and the foundation of what wealthy people do. Because, I mean, I, Bob, I think you probably agree with me. Becoming wealthy is not a hard concept. It just takes discipline, focus, intentionality, and time. And, you know, we, we've kind of covered mm -hmm. the basics of what you have to do next week. <clears throat> we kind of go a little deeper and discuss some of the, once you are comfortable with these first three things, then where do you go and how do you really yeah. um, become a wealthy person once you've got this foundation laid? Yeah, I think we, we focused on the foundation this week on the things that are easy to understand or comprehend, but harder to put into practice and as you get better, it's a journey. Um, as you get better at these three foundational steps, we step further into the fourth and fifth. Um, things, I don't like the term things. They're the habits, really, that yeah. wealthy people have. That once you have gotten a better handle on the first three, you're able to more easily do number four yeah. and five. Um so yeah, I'm looking forward to it because one, we're moving past this step, the easy stuff, easy, but hard mm -hmm. and moving on to the more complex and getting to set aside more time specifically to delve into, um, what those are. That'll be fun. Looking forward to it, man. I will see you on the flip side. Oh, yeah. Did you really just say that? And I thought I was dating myself with the <laughs> shoe references. Remember, I'm an old school millennial. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just old. That's right. Yes. Thank you. So, yes. As always, it's been fun. It's been a pleasure. Side. Speechless, speechless. He finally accomplished it. Mm. Well, it's a great conversation to wrap up our part one of this series. And a lot of you are probably going, well, that sounds pretty simple. And you would be right. Very simple concepts. Harder to implement. We, we you know, agree and admit with that. Harder to implement, but very simple concepts. But the good thing about becoming wealthy is it is not a hard concept if you just follow the right steps, the right tactics. And that's where the behavior management element comes in to actually make it all take place. So next week, we're going to go into the next two 
pieces of this list. Um, but I think it's very important that we have these fundamentals in place that we taught, that we learn, uh, the basics and the stuff that we can do right here and right now <clears throat> to start becoming wealthy. Next week, we're going to look at the things that you can do later on as you get to that point. But right here, right now, these are the three things that you have to start with in order to make what we talk about next week take place and be more productive. So folks, thank you so much for being a part of this discussion, being a part of our conversation. Hope that you're enjoying this show. Would have really appreciate if you would leave a rating and review that helps us continue to grow and find out what type of content you want to hear about. As always, be sure and follow us on Facebook. Be sure and follow us on Instagram. Be sure and be a part of the conversation. And we'll see you again next week.